Let's get into the book of Ephesians. I believe it's uh, sermon number 12 uh, in our series, and we're looking today at the title, Live in Wisdom and by the Power of the Holy Spirit. Now, as always, every preacher's different. The next slide, please. Um, I quite like you to join with me to read the Word of God. If you want to do that, you're very welcome to. Okay, we're going to read it from the NIV. Here we go. Let's confess it out. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Next slide, please. I want to look at four things today. I want to look at wisdom for living well. Anybody in the room want to live well? Yeah? I don't mean live easy. Sometimes it's tough, but live well for the glory of God. Wisdom for opportunities to witness. When we witness, when we keep our mouth shut, when's the right time to act and say something, when's the right time not to. Wisdom for understanding God's will and wisdom to recognize your source. Let's kick on. Paul says here, wisdom for living well. Next slide, please. Thank you. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. I want to challenge you guys right from the kickoff, are you careful about how you live? Do you just float by every day, get out of your bed, see what happens, respond accordingly? Or do you think carefully about how you live, how you act, how you react? Do you think about it carefully or is it just pandemonium, random? Or do you think about it? Paul wants us to think about it. He's suggesting it's wise to think about it. It's unwise not to think about the way you live. I want to show you some things that will help us to live well. Jesus said to a bunch of religious people in Matthew 22, 29, you are in error. You're mistaken because you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. So the first thing I want to say is, if you want to be careful about how you live, you need to live according to the Scriptures. But to live according to the Scriptures, we need to know what the Scriptures say. We need to spend time in the Scriptures. It's the breathed Word of God. We need to listen to what God says. And we need the power of God to help us to understand what those Scriptures say. Secondly, when you're looking at your life, when you're analyzing, not too heavily I hope, but analyzing where am I going? Is this the right direction in my life? The second thing to consider is, does the fruit of the Holy Spirit seem obvious to you and those around you that you're acting and behaving in the correct way? If you see me staggering about town, not because I'm drunk in the Holy Spirit, but if I'm drunk in someone else, and you see me around town, you should be coming to me and saying, dear brother, that's not the godly way to behave. That's not in line with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's not in line with the Word of God, as we'll discover today and later in our passage. 
You need to look out for one another. We need to care for each other. We need to say, if the fruit of the Holy Spirit is not seen, something's wrong. So if I'm angry with you or I'm aggressive with you, something's wrong because that's not in line with the fruit of the Spirit of God. Thirdly, I think I'll turn to this one actually. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14 and 15, if you want to turn with me. It says there about listening to the counsel of trusted godly leaders and friends. Paul says to Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. Can I just say a little passing comment? It does matter who you learn the scriptures from. That's all I'm going to say. And how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And finally, in this section, the peace of God. Now, that's not some sort of gooey feeling, but it's this sense before the Father that your heart does not condemn you. You're at peace before God. And Paul says in Philippians, he says this, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wonderful. When you're considering direction in your life, when you're considering, should I go there? Should I do this? Should I not? It's important that you, when you pray about these things, that you know the peace of God in your heart. So let me tell you this, every time I pray for a neighbor to come to faith in Jesus Christ, my heart's at peace. Why? Because I'm praying in the will of God. God says in his word, he does not want anyone to perish, but he wants all men and women to come to him. I can pray with confidence. So when we pray with confidence, our hearts don't condemn us. But if I ask God for something that's utterly selfish, you know, my neighbors get this kind of car. Could I have one like that? No, thank you. I don't need a BMW electric charge one. That's the blessing if you've got one. Great. Sorry, buddy. I know you work for BMW. They're great cars. <laughs> dig, 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 dig. Absolutely fantastic cars. I don't need one. My neighbors get a nice one. Bless them. Okay. Although, can I just say something in passing? We do need to be a little bit careful here because sometimes people, including Christians, judge other people wrongly. Reinhard Bonnke, the famous German evangelist who was used by God in Africa in particular, uh, one time a bunch of Christians bought him a car, and they bought him a black BMW, and some Christians said, oh, what's he doing, man? This Christian evangelist going round with a BMW? It was a gift. Don't judge, yeah? Don't judge. If people want to bless you with something, receive it and say, thank you very much. I'm very, very grateful. But we've got to be careful, careful not to judge. Let me say this to you guys. Proverbs, the book of Proverbs speaks about wisdom being like a jewel. We need wisdom. We need God's wisdom. Absolutely. I cannot live the life God's called me to without the wisdom to know how to live it. And God makes it abundantly clear in his word. Proverbs 2, 12 and 16 tell us that wisdom saves us from going on the wrong path. Don't know about you, I want to go in the right way. I want to go in the right path. I want to follow after Christ and where he's going. I don't want to go down some dead-end alley that leads to nowhere. I want to challenge you, reflect on the word of God. Are you relying on your human wisdom? Do you get up every day and try to work it out? 
or do you come to God himself and ask for his wisdom? James says something beautiful. He says in chapter 1, if any man or woman lacks wisdom, let them ask God, because God gives liberally. That means lavishly. He loves to give wisdom without finding fault, the Bible says. But you know what? It says more. It says, but when you do come to him, believe that you will receive. So if I come to God and say, Father, I need some wisdom about a work situation. Will he, will he help me? Will he not? I'm not very sure. He might do. I'm not very sure. Not great. But when I come to him and say, Lord, you said you'd love to give me wisdom. I have utter confidence in what you say. Give me the wisdom I need for my workplace. I trust you. I know you'll provide. Are you hearing me, church? I'm not, I'm not saying we, 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 we do struggle at times to believe. I know that. But what the Word of God says is come with faith, even if it's a tiny wee bit of faith. Say, Lord, I'm trusting you. Give me the wisdom I need. I do not want to live my life, I can tell you that, according to the wisdom of this world, because you see where it goes. It's got a bad ending. And I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, let's live according to God's wisdom. Secondly, wisdom for opportunities to witness. Peter says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I've had to learn this lesson. I hope I'm getting a wee bit better at it. But it's not just about getting the gospel message out as a package and tell it to everybody. Get it off your chest. <laughs> See you later. Thanks very much. God bless you. No, it says with gentleness and respect. So we respect the people we're talking to because they're, they're human beings made by God in God's image. We respect them. We're gentle. Jesus never went about, as far as I can see, yelling at people. He didn't need to. He spoke to people. He healed people. He touched people's lives. He shared the message of the kingdom of God with people. So let's do it with gentleness and with respect. But let's not back off from the truth. I think Jesus demonstrates this most beautifully. It says in John 1 that he was full of grace and truth. I want us as brothers and sisters in this church, I want us to be full of grace, to be gracious to people, but full of truth. We bring the truth lovingly, but we don't fudge it. We don't twist it so that people will like me better. It's not about whether they like me better. It's about whether I honor Christ and I share the message as it is and I trust God to transform their lives. People need to hear the truth, but they need to hear it in love. I want to encourage us today to, who's, who's ever experienced this, what I call a little nudging. You may have a fancy biblical word for it. Ever had a little nudge from the Holy Spirit where you think something needs to be done here? Shall I share a few with you just to encourage you, right? Now, I need to introduce you to something. Growing up in Glasgow, Having one of those, you'd probably get beaten up, right? And I'm not one for a man bag, but lots of European guys and that, some British guys like them. But this is what I call my drug dealer bag, all right? This is my drug dealer bag. You know these guys that go around and sell drugs. Well, what happened is, recently, I, um, recently I met someone, careful what I say here, it's recorded. I met, I met someone recently who I know uh, smokes marijuana and uh, I said, I've got my little drug dealer bag. He looked at me rather curious. I said, I've got stuff in here that's better than you've ever had before. Really? Go on then. 
So my little drug dealer bag. Little gospel of John. <laughs> I'm a little uh, leaflet on how you come to know Jesus Christ. And a little uh, invite to Redeemer Church. He said, thanks very much. Took it away. That's my big drug dealer bag. That's what I do in my bag. And I make conversation with people. And so I was in town. Here's another little nudge. I was in town recently. And I was walking along the street by Superdrug. No connection there. And, um, <laughs> and um, I saw the man selling the big issue. And I felt the Lord nudge me and say, do him a deal. Do him a deal. Tell him you'll buy his magazine if he takes what's in your bag. Fair enough. I said, I'll do you a deal, mate. I'll buy your magazine. Hey, by the way, I'm Scottish, remember? It's quite expensive. Four quid for that magazine. But hey, two pounds go to the organization. Two pounds for the homeless guy. That's absolutely fine. So I, he said, fair enough. I'll do you the deal. So I pay four quid for his magazine. I give him a gospel of John. And I'm just telling you this because, do you know what? It's not because I'm special or I'm great at this. It's because I just want to try and listen to his nudgings. Debs and I the other day, um, crazy. This is crazy. The other day at Sainsbury's, we parked the car, and there's a wee man standing right next door at my window in the car. I've barely parked the car. I haven't turned the engine off. The wee guy's waiting for me outside my, my door. Hey, what's going on here? And so um, I put the window. You okay, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I've noticed, he said, do you drive a Citroen? I've got a Citroen as well. Can you help me? Um, how, wh where's, where's a good garage to take my Citroen? So then I, I respond to him, oh, you're Scottish. Oh, you're Scottish, he said. I've been to Scotland three times, up to Aberdeen. I rented a castle for my 50th birthday. I went, what? <laughs> he said, no, no, it wasn't that expensive. It wasn't that expensive. And he starts to talk to me about going to Scotland. And then, to cut a long story short, we end up getting inside the door at Sainsbury's, and he still wants to talk to us. And shall I just say, just check he's not here. Now, just, um, he, he started to tell me how amazing he is. We had a fair bit of that in the conversation, how great he is and how great his wife is, and fantastic. And you know that moment, feel the nudge, feel the nudge. Ask him if he's a man of faith. Oh, okay, fine. Excuse me, I said, um, my, my wife and I are both Christians, and uh, while we've been having a conversation with you, um, I just feel I should ask you, are you a man of faith? He says, wow. Um, he's from Sri Lanka. He said, well, I'm Buddhist. I went to a Catholic school. <laughs> that confusion there. Um, uh, and so he then tells me that he's got a neighbor who's a pastor in town here. Fantastic, good church. And he's hooked up with his neighbor about tw 20 times. They get together. They have a chat. They look out for each other. They talk about faith. Now, why did God bring a wee Sri Lankan man across a Scottish man's path in a car park when he's waiting outside my car. Because it's a little part of the story. It's another believer he's met. Another, I invited him, another point of contact. Whether he comes here or he goes to that pastor's church, fantastic. I just want to say to you, brothers and sisters, I love it. Can anybody else in the room testify to this? Sometimes when you're struggling, you walk with God, sometimes when you're finding it hard, all I need is a conversation like that, and I'm through the roof. Because I love to tell people about Jesus. I love to tell, I love to be open to God. And I want you to be open to God. So when he gives you a little nudge, even if you don't share the whole story on that occasion, he just meets another believer who loves Jesus, and he's got another point of contact. So when he's ready, and I believe God's at work, God does not bring that Sri Lankan man across different Christians' paths for no reason. God's at work. 
And his time will come. Hallelujah, his time will come. It might be here, it might be somewhere else, but God's at work. So let me encourage you. You don't have to have one of these man bags. God forbid. But I mean, if you've got one, yeah, use it. Take some stuff from the table with you, little gospels, engage in conversations. Leave someone the word of God to read because it's so powerful. Next, wisdom for understanding God's will. I think it's fair to say that everybody in this room has probably at some point asked the question, what is God's will for my life? This can vary. It can be extreme. You know, what outfit should I buy? Maybe. Um, hopefully not what toothpaste should I use. There is a story of a very, very well-known, a very, very extreme Calvinist, you know, who uh, was walking up the stairs and he tripped and fell, and he said, praise God, that's over. Now, it doesn't mean that God organizes, it doesn't mean that God organizes absolutely everything, but the point I'm making is this, we can want to know everything about everything, sometimes every detail. Which university should I go to? Which course should I study? Um, sometimes, may I add, maybe we complicate it. Sometimes we overcomplicate things. Can I give you a little tip? If you want to go to university, maybe a good question to ask is, is there a good church there where I'll, where I'll be able to grow? If you go to university and there's no church around for 150 miles, mm, think carefully maybe whether that's the right place for you. Maybe that's extreme, but I don't think so. It's important that you grow in your walk with God and you connect with other believers. But here's what I want to say. There are bits in our lives that sometimes we don't understand. Is this the will of God? Is it not? Sometimes it seems complicated. But I want to draw your attention today from Scripture at the things that are clear. And sometimes as believers, we have a hard enough time doing the things that are clear, never mind the things that are unclear. Here's what Paul says to the Thessalonians. Listen to this carefully. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Big word basically means separated apart, not isolated, but separate from everybody else around you in terms of the way you live your life. It doesn't mean you don't engage, but you live by a different kingdom. That you should avoid sexual immorality. It's clear. That's what God's word says that each of you should learn to control his own body or her own body, I guess, in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother, may I add, or his sister, or take advantage of them. When I read that, there's no get-out clause. The will of God is that we be sanctified, that we do not engage in sexual immorality. Tough one. Have to say it because I can't fudge it. All sex outside a marriage between one man and one woman is sexual immorality. I don't need to repeat it. That's my understanding of what the Bible says. God wants us to live wholesome. He wants us to live a sanctified life. We should look different. Deb said it recently. 
Sorry, I've said it a few times. If somebody puts me up in the stand and says, tell me, why is he a Christian? They shouldn't all be sitting around going, They should know your life and my life is different. Not we're better than you. We've been saved. We belong to a different king now. We live a different way. Then he says this. Again in Thessalonians, he's quite direct with these guys. He says, be joyful always. Come on. You're having a laugh, preacher. What are you on about? Be joyful always. I don't feel like that. Well, God never asks us really how we feel. He says, be joyful always. What does that mean? Does it mean a bunch of Christians who've just had their teeth whitened for an American Christian channel, right? Does it mean going around with a permanent grin, a permanent smile on their face? No. What it means is, in the good times, in the bad times and all the in-between times, there is a fountain that flows from deep inside. It's called the joy of the Lord. And who, I don't know if you want to confess this, but has anybody ever had that kind of joy flow in them even when the circumstances around you don't look good? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is what God wants for Alistair. That's what God wants for you. You can have the super flowing abundant joy even in the midst of sorrow and pain and hardship and persecution and tough times and the apostle Paul realized this it was his experience always joyful pray continually this is the will of God pray continually what does that mean does it mean at work and if I have to get down on my knees and pray no what it means is to be in a continual atmosphere of prayer so when I walk down that corridor there, and I do, when I walk down that corridor and I see someone in need, I lift my heart up to the Lord right away. Lord, come and touch his life, bless him. Just being in that place of continual chat with the Lord and listening to the Lord. Give thanks in all circumstances. I have said this because I've preached a few times. I have said this. He doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. I'm not going to say, Lord, I thank you that Vladimir Putin has invaded Ukraine. Why? I'm not going to pray for stuff that's unkind and evil and give thanks for it. But what I'm going to say is, Lord, in the midst of this turmoil, would you touch his life? Would you touch the hearts of the Russian Ukrainian people? Would you move in power? Would the gospel advance faster, greater, more impactful than ever before in the midst of the most dangerous, horrible war situations? That's what I'm going to pray. But I'm not going to go thank God for war. I'm not going to thank God for cancer. I'll say, Lord, in the middle of this pain, in the middle of this illness, whatever I'm experiencing, I trust you, I look to you, I praise you, I give you thanks. You're to be glorified, you're to be worshipped. I ain't going to thank God for stuff that Jesus came in his ministry to heal people from. Hear me carefully. You're welcome to disagree, but I'm not prepared to thank God for evil. But I am prepared to thank God in the middle of evil and give him praise for his goodness and his kindness. He says, Peter says, it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Christians should be the best news out there. We should be the kindest, most caring, 
most good in the sense of we do good things to bless others. But let me say this, we don't do good things to bless others in order to get merit before God. There is nothing you and I can do to merit his love, his grace, or his favor towards us. But here's what we do. We do good works because we love him. We don't do good works to get loved by him. Are you hearing me, church? We do it because we are a new people. We are a changed people. We want to show his goodness. What does Acts say? Jesus of Nazareth went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him, the anointed one with his anointing. One of the saddest things I've ever heard people say, forgive me if this is a relative of yours, people who have a Frank Sinatra song at their funeral, I did it my way. Bad move. I never, ever, ever want to do life my way. I'll be a wreck. I'll be an utter mess. You might be sitting there thinking, oh, I'm fine, I do life my way, I'm absolutely fine. Ultimately, when you stand before God, and I stand before God, I do not want to say, hey, I tried my best, I did it my way. Why would we want to live? I'm talking to believers here. Why would we want to live my way, doing it my way? It's not a good move. And finally, wisdom to recognize your source. Every single day, you and I have enough power as believers to live the day that God's called you to live. The Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad of it. We will have that perspective. You have the Holy Spirit of God living within you, and you have the capability to walk in such power. Now, can I say one thing? You may disagree with me on this. Fine, I'm happy to work it through. This is my understanding currently on this verse. I don't think what Paul is saying here in Ephesians 5.18 is the same as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I think the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a sovereign work of the Lord Jesus when he baptizes us in the Holy Spirit for a particular purpose. What I think he's saying here is, I want you to go on living continuously in this lifestyle of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But here's the deal. When I asked the Lord Jesus to baptize me with his Holy Spirit, his timing and how he did it was his sovereign choice. I never pull, pulled his arm up his back and made him do it when I told him to. But here's the distance. Here's, here's the difference, sorry. The difference here in Ephesians 5 is Paul seems to be suggesting that you and I, according to our choices, can affect whether we live full or we don't. For example, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. He says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. He gives us instructions about how to make wise choices so that we live full. How many people have heard this expression? Um, when somebody has been drinking too much alcohol, we say they're under the influence. That's a normal expression. This is the meaning here of this scripture. It means to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit where our everyday living is centered around honoring him. And we have a responsibility, brothers and sisters, to cooperate in this matter. Rather than just ignoring his promptings, 
or quenching him. That means putting out his fire. We do that sometimes, don't we? You might even be in a time of worship where you feel something rising within you, and every core of your being wants to bust out. You go, no, keep the decorum, that deadly British disease, decorum, put a lid on it, keep it down. God bless us with more Africans, come on. Brothers and sisters, stir us up, come on. Brothers and sisters from Africa, they, generally speaking, are people who don't let other people look at them and go, what they do, and they get on with praising God and worshiping God and being exuberant in praise. We need more people in our churches like that because I don't want to have this hold it together. Why? Why hold it together? I'm not interested in holding it together. I'm not doing it for you. You're not doing it for me. We're doing it for Christ. We celebrate His greatness, His love. Under the influence. Let me ask you, are you under the influence today? <laughs> Not of wine, which leads to debauchery. That's a very pucker word. I had to look it up. Apparently, it means excessive indulgence in sex, alcohol, or drugs. Okay. So, how can I, can I turn that on its head? I guess excessive indulgence on drinking of him that you're absolutely inebriated absolutely as I nearly said what Michael McIntyre calls it trolleyed <laughs> bladdered call it, whatever, call it whatever word you like absolutely full and overflowing with him I wonder why is it that the early people in Acts chapter 2 watched those Christians why did they say they're a bunch of drunks they're a bunch of drunks look at them something dare I say something must have been going on for those people to look at them and go those guys and girls are bladdered they're drunk. Don't you get excited some days thinking about what church would look like? I quite, I quite, I quite like that idea. If someone, <laughs> if someone came to this church, check them out. They're, they're all blittled. They've all, they've all had it. They're, they're overflowing. I wonder what that looks like. I'm not going to manufacture it, but when the Spirit of God does what He does, let's go with it. Nearly done. Here's what I want to say. I think there's some evidence of what this looks like. Paul says, speak. Use psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Use, use songs. Use word, the Word of God, psalms. Use good hymns, new and old, good hymns that declare who He is, that stir one another up and say, come on, this is great. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Do you sing? Anybody sing in the shower? Anybody sing in the bath? Anybody sing on the way to work? I love to sing on the way to work. Put my ear, ear pods in and have a good, down that path down there, I have a good old sing. Now and then I check my back, in case there's folk right behind me. I don't want to kind of blast it in their ears. But I love to sing and worship God on the way to work. So by the time you get here, your heart's overflowing with thankfulness. Let me encourage you, sing and make music to the Lord. Can I tell you something else? God never gives a requirement that you have to be a certain pitch or a great singer. Praise the Lord. Yeah, praise the Lord. Some of us are tremendously excited about that. And um, the point is God looks at our hearts and He's looking for a heart that makes music and overflows. And then He says, thank a people who are thankful. I do want to say this because it's very important. When you read 
verse 20, it seems to contradict what I've just taught you. Because the apostle says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Hold on, Paul. You said earlier, give thanks in all circumstances. Now you're saying give thanks for. Well, apparently the Greek word, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but the Greek word is hupa. It means concerning. So you can read this verse to say, giving thanks to God the Father concerning everything, not necessarily for everything. But you can go and do some search, searching yourself of Scripture. That's a great thing to do. And the last bit there, it says respect. It says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That means we have a healthy respect for one another. We listen to one another. We respect one another. We treat one another gently. We look after one another. That's, that's what the body of Christ should look like. It should never appear um, authoritarian. Yes, we need to have godly leadership, I trust, but it should never be using and abusing people. It should be treating people with respect and dignity and seeking to honor them wherever possible in our everyday lives. Are you, brothers and sisters, are you looking to be spirit-empowered or are you still striving with human effort? Paul says, guys, give up with the human effort. Be intoxicated. Yes, be intoxicated with the Holy Spirit of God. Let your daily life be, if people look at you, think, wow, that girl, she's just different. Her language, her behavior, how she treats the person in the office that everybody else hates. Something about our lives that says they're from a different, not quite a different planet, but they're certainly from a different kingdom. They live under a different king. Okay, I've got one or two things I just want to say prophetically, I believe. Now, you all know that I love gardening. That's a lie for a start. Okay, but the other day, well, a few weeks ago, um, I did check with my wife first. That's probably a good idea, rather than taking the saw and just doing my own thing. And I, I sawed down a small tree, as down as low as I could get, because I couldn't get the root out. It was too deep. So I, sawed, I, I, saw, I took a saw to this tree and I cut it across and basically all that was left was a stump, just a stump in the garden. Well, I was a bit shocked to discover several weeks later that there was life in this stock because some little uh, branches started appearing out of the top of the stump. I thought, for goodness sake, I thought I'd dealt with this thing. That's it chopped down now. Um, basically, these branches came up with little leaves on them. And that got me thinking, even although it was reduced to a stump, it was still showing signs of life with the, because it was well-rooted and grounded in the soil. And I feel there could be someone here today, you feel like life's circumstances have come like an axe and chopped you. And you think, what's left? I feel like a stump. What kind of life's in me at all? I'm a mess. I'm just a stump. Today is the day to encourage you. There is still life in you. There is still life in you. There are branches that are coming. There are leaves that are coming. Hallelujah. You know why? Because you're rooted and grounded and established in the good soil. You're in him and you're in his word and you're feeding on good stuff. So if you feel that's you, I'd love to pray with you. I'll just say it right now. Lord, 
let your life grow in increasing measure in Jesus' name. And secondly, um, I do believe God speaks to us in everyday things. You know, sometimes things just happen. Today, very, very strange experience. Never happened before in our family. Uh, we've had a piano for about, what, tw 20 plus years? Went to the piano today, turned on the plug, the lights came on the piano, started to play, no volume, dead. Absolutely dead. No volume whatsoever. First time it's ever happened. Some of us who've been given power in the Holy Spirit, the lights are on, but there's no volume. People don't hear us. Ask the Holy Spirit to loosen your tongue. Open your mouth and begin to praise Him. Paul says, speaking and singing are signs of being flooded with His presence. I want to encourage us. I sometimes think I may be wrong, forgive me. Sometimes people have this tendency to think that the enthusiastic, loud people like me and Nige, bless them, and a few others, they're the guys that just go for it and they just shout out and you know, no, no, hold on, come on, come on. Every believer has power to speak and to sing and to declare. So I'm going to ask you later to do something quite radical. When we're singing some songs of worship later on, why don't you go for it? Raise your voice up, maybe for the first time. Shout out his praise. Don't let anybody silence you. Don't let anybody put you down, turn the volume off, try to break your piano, so to speak. Make sure that you declare his praises. Don't let anybody hold you back, young or old, male or female, whoever you are. If you love Jesus, let's get our tongues open. Let's get our tongues declare how fantastic he is.